You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, y'all. It's Amir Yasai with the take on for the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, y'all. It's Amir Yasai. We're back for the take on. I'm here with my good friend, David Del Rio. If you don't know David, you've never been to the theater because, listen, in the Heights, Grease Live, I mean, what else? Pitch Perfect, such a great actor, such a great producer, director. I mean, it's so many slashes. You're one of the number one L.A. slashies. How are you? <laughs> I love that, L.A. slashies. Uh, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing well, Amir. Thank you so much for just continuing to have me. You know I always love talking to you, so thanks again for having me. Of course. Me too. I always, it's always good to talk to friends. Cause it's like, you have that rapport. You don't have to like get to know each other, you know, on a live situation. So it's good. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> nice to, un, it's nice to feel unapologetic. We'll see. We'll see if I have to Absolutely. apologize for anything later. No, never. We now I did, um, you know, I did one with one of my other friends. Uh, he was on the podcast and he was like, did I say anything bad? Was I, should I apologize? And I was like, there's nothing to apologize for it, it, As long as we're being ourselves, I think there's nothing to apologize for. Love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Absolutely. Um, so for all of you know our Broadway fans, I want to start with In the Heights. Obviously, Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's such an amazing, iconic, and they're redoing it for the big screen. Um, what was your experience like being involved with that, you know, and being so at such a young age as well? You know, I, I, I so I did it in 2010. So mm-hmm. I was... Um, about 22, 21 at the time. And yeah. actually my sister, uh, Noemi was a dancer in mm-hmm. the show. And, oh, wow. and, you know, I, so I got to attend a lot of the new year's Eve parties. Uh, we went over to Lynn's house and, uh, you know, I, I, I always knew that crew there. And I, you know, I gotta tell you, Amir, every, since I saw it at the public, uh, in the Heights, I looked at the role in Sunny, and I go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play that. I'm definitely going to play. I don't know how. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when, but that character is me. Um, it, it kind of tapped into all my sort of sensitivities as an actor. And, um, and so, you know, push a couple of years later, my sister's in the show. And then during uh, the show, I was um, also in a Nickelodeon show called The Troop. And between season one and season two, I got a chance to um, audition. Uh, actually, I got a chance to audition before the Nickelodeon show. And I actually got cast in the tour the first national tour of In the Heights as Sunny. So I already booked that role. And then the Nickelodeon show came on and I said, well, you know what, this is, uh, I'm going to do the Nickelodeon show instead. And lucky enough, they had me back and uh, auditioned for them eight more times um, in a row uh, for the role of Sunny for uh, the Broadway version. And, you know, I got cast in it. I was very grateful. Um, and the rehearsal process was two weeks. 
and two weeks in one day I was on stage. And the thing that I wanted to concentrate on first was I just wanted to get the function of the machine right. You know, there's a lot of things that go on in a show that happen backstage that make what happens on stage work. So I really needed to make sure I'm on my mark or where I'm supposed to be and move out of the way for other actors and ensemble that needed to be on stage at which time, uh, more so than how good I'm doing in the scene or how well I'm singing the song. So that was one of the things I really had to concentrate on. And uh, Tommy Kale, one of my favorite directors that I've worked with, basically told me, you know, maybe a good way to start is kind of try to emulate Robin De Jesus's version first and then kind of meld into yourself. And that's exactly what happened. I did Robin's version, who was the original Sonny on Broadway, for the at least the first month and a half. And then once I kind of got into got into it, got into my own skin, then I started to explore a little bit more and and, and Sonny has always been a part of me ever since. That's amazing. I mean, I I love that you had the foresight to look up and be like, I'm going to play Sonny and did it. Like it was wild. It's it's wild. And, you know, I I give that to, you know, I give that to a lot of prayer and I give Mm -hmm. that to, you know, what I've always believed in, which is, you know, you set your mind on something, even if it has nothing to do with in the Heights and Sonny, but feeling like you want to be part of the game to continue to audition for different things and be in different things that will catch people's eyes. If you're in the game, you're going to catch people's eyes. You're not, you're not going to be, you're not going to be Tom Cruise, but you're going to play the game. And I think that playing the game is the most important thing. And as long as you're playing the game, you know, the things that you're, you're, you're going after uh, uh, might be yours, you know, big might. But I was very lucky for in, in that regard. I love that. And I love what you said about being part of that gang, right? A lot of people, like when they get to LA, they're just like, I'm not getting auditions, but they're not mm. going out and meeting with producers. And they're not like, they're not getting in front of people's eyes because someone might see you and be like, well, you're not right for this. Yeah. And maybe you'll be good for something else. Can you tell us a story of a situation like that where like, you auditioned for something and really wanted it, didn't get it, but then ended up getting something else out of that? I mean, you know, it's it, it really is the normal story for me of going mm-hmm. out to things and book and not booking them. You know, that's mm-hmm. just part of life. That's just if you've signed up to be in the industry, that's what you're signing up for. You need to, you know, they, they, that's what people need to understand, right? That rejection mm-hmm. is part of the game. You're not special enough to feel like it only happens to you. And mm-hmm. so, and so, you know, I had a lot of auditions where I didn't book the part, but I booked the room. And part of that is because I wanted to go in there and give them my idea and be unapologetic for my interpretation for the character. And from there, you want to give a casting director the feeling of, um, okay, let's work together. Uh, I don't know what you want. I don't know if this is the right idea, but let's see if we can find it. And I think that people kind of get a little gist of, oh, this is someone that I like in the room. This is someone that I always know will give me some type of version of the character that I think will work. And by that, you establish relationships with casting directors. Then it's then it's almost this thing that, oh, uh, you know, 
Carol or Robert, they're bringing you back in, not for this part, for this other part. And the, the, the sort of minefield that you kind of walk on is, oh my God, they're bringing me back. That means I'm going to book it. No, 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 no. That, that doesn't mean that. That means that you are a representation of the type of actors that they bring in of quality, if you are prepared enough, of sort of quality and ideas that they feel comfortable enough for you to kind of uh, kind of bring you back because you kn- they know you'll always bring something, you know, and that's and, and you drop the mentality of always trying to book something. You want to be there to work. If you're an actor, you go to an audition, you are working, you are right. playing a part. Therefore, you are the working actor. And I got to tell you, there have been so so many times where I did not book the part, but I booked another part with the same casting director. It happens all the time. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like definitely something that happens, but it's always good for, you know, especially new actors to realize that, you know, for anyone that seems like an overnight success, like it's Mm. a lot of auditions. It's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of being resilient. So like, how do you deal with that? Especially like, you know, early on in your career, like all of the auditions and then also being like, you know, Cuban American. Did you, did you get ever like people being like, Oh, you're going to play a Mexican role or all the time. Like, did you ever have stuff like, okay. How all do you time, deal with that? All the time still. And still, by the way, um, you know, it's an opportunity for me to play a, 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 a character. You know, that's the other thing. Kind of people kind of forget that we pretend. And mm-hmm. so that's our job. Of course, Sam Rockwell is not an astronaut. Of course, <laughs> you know, of course, uh, um, you know, Tom Hanks isn't Fred Rogers, you know, like, like, you know, right. the, the, the thing is, is that our, our, our job as actors are, are in there to play characters are in there to pretend I would never be insulted by someone who calls on me because they're their limited information of me is what they see on screen. So they bring me in based on that. You know, I played a weapon specialist in uh, a kid show for two years. <laughs> All of a sudden I keep, uh, I keep going into these roles of a computer genius in NCIS or a computer genius for any of these shows that find, you know, tells Kiefer Sutherland, this is where the missile's at and pressing little buttons and, you know, all that stuff. That can't be any farther than, you know, you saw how I prepped for this interview on this, you know, with this laptop alone. I have no idea what I'm doing with a computer. So, you know, (laughs) so, so, you know, if you take it personally, you're in the wrong business. You truly are. You know, um, um, I I, I truly believe that. I truly, if you, you know, the characters that they, they, they send you out on to come into an audition Listen, you're Hispanic, so go in there and play a part of a Hispanic that you don't know. You know, I get uh, I get a character uh, who is Mexican. Then that kind of gives me a little bit of a uh, investigation investigation that I've never mm-hmm. tapped into before. I'm going, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll try that. I'll try that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Because I'm pretending. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not a politician. You're not, not, if you are giving me uh, something that I am not, you are not smearing my campaign. If my campaign is to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances, meaning that it's an imaginary circumstance that I'm Mexican. So let me play. Absolutely. Right. You know, absolutely. That That makes a lot of sense. That's a really interesting way of looking at it because it's like, well, it's a job and you're going to 
perform the best you can under those circumstances. And it's not like they're saying you're playing an Indian man, something way outside. Like it's, it's still within the, you know, realm of possibility of you being able to play that. And part. by the so way, that, and by the way, sometimes it doesn't even matter because, you know, uh, uh, in pitch perfect, I remember mm-hmm. I, did one audition and then I booked a part months later because the person had to bow out, but the person was Asian. Wow. So, Mm, so obviously those things weren't really, really important. It was who was the one who was fitting the, who was fitting the part and the essence of the character uh, uh, and not who the character is versus who the actor is in real life, you know? And, um, and I, and I, I do believe in, you know, Halle Berry um, just dropped out of a role um, about you know two days ago of yes you know playing of a trans man. Thank you, yeah, thank you, mm-hmm. of a trans mm-hmm. man. You of know, uh, uh, and and I'm you know again I'm I, I am not educated enough nor am I eloquent enough to make a comment of which side I stand on, but I feel like it's a mm-hmm. very fine line that you know. Uh, the people who speak to 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 have their representation speak loud and speak mm-hmm. proud but i also think Absolutely. but i also think that actors should kind of say listen you know this is my job and you know what i, I i'm going to right. step down you know from this but you should right. not come at me because i my intention was to come out to miss represent the reason why i play a role is to represent not to insult Mm. so it's it's a it's it's a balance and fine line and by the way i think what halle berry did was was uh commendable and i think that it it was a it was a classy classy way to handle it and scarlett johansson scarlett johansson did the same exact thing you know but let's 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 remember kate blanchett but she took longer she like took a lot longer and she she, and she kind of and she ended up saying some kind of transphobic comments Mm -hmm. so like i think we've seen a progress which i i mean i have a lot of friends who are trans actors like trace Lissette, which was on transparent right and there's a there's a lot of great trans representation but the fact is like with the scarlett johansson she had such a great platform and an opportunity to kind of apologize and didn't really do yes. it until she was kind of pushed against the wall. But I love Halle Berry. I mean, she listened, you know, she said, you know, one of her friends who's trans and a, a person of color as well reached out to her. And she said, you know what? I don't feel at this point in my career, I need to fight for a role. So I'm going to step down and, yeah. and let someone. And what I love about this opportunity is that at least the movie didn't get scrapped. Because right. unfortunately with the Scarlett Johansson, that movie ended up getting scrapped, which means you don't even get an opportunity for a trans person to even play the part, right. which sucks. That's when it kind of is unfortunate when cancel culture becomes too much. Oh, you know, like, yes, yes. Yeah. And, I, and I completely, completely agree with that. Because if I was in that position, I would say, you know what? What other role can I play? Because I still want to mm-hmm. tell this story. You know, right. I mean, this story right. still needs to be told, you know, and, and that's, that, you know, and so, and, and like I said, I've never been in a position where people have rallied to, um, um, get me out of it or, or kind right. of, or, <laughs> or, 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 or kind Good. of, kind of speak up to, to right. their dissatisfaction of me being in this casting choice, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I, good. but I would really, really, uh, imagine that. I would be very, very grateful to hear so much of the perspective out in the world that comes back to me that really makes me uh, um, say, okay, am I doing this 
for artistic integrity mm-hmm. or am I doing this just to make a splash or something? And if you're, you're, if you're in it for the right intention, I think that, you know, you get, you have a chance, as you said, use your platforming going, let's do this together. Because I, I really, I really want to, you know, I would really want to play this part or whatever. And like I said, uh, this is, has has not happened to me. However, I am, you know, cancel culture. That's a huge topic. You know what I mean? And I don't want to get too much into it, but but mm. you know, voices could uplift, and voices could tear down as we continue to see. And I and I Absolutely. and I hope and I hope people continue to be responsible. Um, for that, for that sake too, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, even with the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of, you know, white celebrities that are being canceled for various, you know, and and again, I'm not saying people are not deserving of that, Mm -mm. but I have a friend who's the black activist that said when the Twitter feed and Instagram and Facebook is all covered with white celebrities being canceled, nobody's listening to black voices. Nobody's listening to black creatives. What you end up doing is the opposite effect. So you're canceling white people and then you're taking away from the black movement. So I, I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at it. And even with this, you know, the trans movement and and the way that like Scarlett Johansson's movie was dealt with and Halle Berry, look at Halle Berry. Like she also brought a lot of attention to the film in a way that probably wouldn't have happened if it was a, maybe a trans actor that was not as famous as Halle Berry. Like now she's put her stamp of approval on it in some way. So it's, it's kind of neat. And I agree with you, David, I think it would be cool if she was like, you know what? I'm not going to play the character of the trans man, but I'd like to be his mother. Yeah. yeah, Or I would like to be his sister or like, I wish that she could still be involved in some way, but you know, unfortunately, like again, not to keep harping on cancel culture, but they, some people have made it impossible for her to be involved at all, which I think is kind of unfair because, you know, she said that she found the project. She was excited about it. She was passionate about it. And it kind of sucks that now her name is completely removed from it. And it's just, that's the kind of bummer. You know, and again, I don't want to um, diminish this type of example, but you know, it happens all the time where Mm -hmm. no matter what people are, the world we live in, live today is we give everyone a voice mm-hmm. and I mean, everyone, yeah. I mean, some people that don't deserve exactly, it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, every, yeah. there's not one person, right. That does not have a, a voice. And, and, and then think about it uh, again. This is a, not the same example, but this is my industry in terms of actor and role and people who speak up. Mm-hmm. The people who speak up are still going to pay a ticket to confirm whether they were right or wrong, but guess what? You still pay a ticket. So people who people who uh, uh, shot down Michael Keaton or Christian Bale playing Batman—that's not our Batman. That's not our. You know, that's not. You know, they have a voice there, and when they go on, but they but they still go and see it. They still go and see it. You know, it would make me a lot more respect, a little bit more respect on the cancel culture. And by the way, we live in a time where. The cancel culture is making changes for the better, by mm-hmm. the way, right? Sure, sure. But, there, but there's the other side that I would respect if if they canceled it and then don't buy a ticket. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, right. And, and, right. You know, well, it's, it's kind of hypocritical sure. a bit. Like there are people that cancel celebrities. And there was actually a really great show where it was all about haters that were like kind of sending hate mail to celebrities. And then they would introduce them to, to that celebrity. And they'd be like, I love you so much. Mm. And people are, it, it's a lot of BS. That's, I think a lot of people like to gas you up. I mean, I even, I'm not even a celebrity and I get comments of lots of 
hate. And people, they like when you respond to it, they ga- it gasses them mm-hmm. up. Like people, you know, they, they kind of, and like you said, they hate the movie. Christian Bale's now my Batman and they, they go buy the ticket. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, from even from a PR standpoint, as you know, I, I was a publicist yeah. for years, like bad PR or good PR, people buy a ticket. It don't matter. Mm-hmm. Money is money, whether they hate you or they love you, you know, it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. So I, I think it's, it's very interesting the way, you know, Hollywood will villainize certain actors and then you meet them and you're like, Oh, they're really wonderful. Right. I wonder why that, <laughs> right. you know, but people love to hate people like that. You know, like they like, like the Jack Nicholson, like I've met him many times and he's so wonderful. And I'm like, why is he like kind of seen as difficult? But it's like that's his persona, and then people want that in their movies. Sure. Like they want that character. They want. They want. So it's very. They want bad Jack. They want bad Jack mm-hmm. in their in, in their movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Listen, I find I, I find it fascinating, and you know, it really it, that's that's the price you pay in being part of an industry that you give your soul to a character so much so that you have a big amount of people that relate to you enough to say, I know this person. Uh, uh, therefore they owe me a, B, C, D, E, F, G. And, you know, uh, years and years ago, me being a people pleaser. And by the way, I still am a people pleaser, uh, (laughs) in a lot of ways, um, would kind of say, well, what else do you want to see from me? I have so many more tricks (laughs) that I can show you but you know at the same time you have to protect yourself and you have to really make sure that you are doing a part and doing a role not to be popular not to be successful but to have artistic integrity behind it because that's that's part of your job and if you're lucky enough to pick and choose your projects um and be uh employed enough to say i don't really have to do this um you kind of set out to do parts that satisfy you artistically and sometimes you gotta you you gotta ignore all the noise but guess what i mean we live in a time i mean look what's happening uh, look what's happening hong kong nobody can speak no one can speak Mm. out so so Mm -hmm. yeah we live in a yeah yeah we live in a world where um uh we live in in a nation right now that the the people who are silenced that's hurting and 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 we sh- we have to we have to speak up. We really really do. But let's speak up for the right things. Let's not complain about every single thing just because you want to feel worth. You know. Absolutely. If you're looking, I always say, if you're looking for worth by looking at celebrities and looking at like people that are supposed to be like these like role models. I mean, I think that like no one should really be a role model to you because everyone's a human being. Like I, I've worked with A-list talent. They all have problems too. They might have a nicer house and a nicer car and might be on TV. But as you know, I mean, you've worked with talent as well and you are a talent you get it like everyone has problems like everyone wakes up and has issues like how do you like navigate that like living in Hollywood obviously like it's so much pressure and there's so much hustling and networking and all that stuff how do you like what does David do to like kind of decompress and like have some self-care like you know what what does that look like for me for me it's all about mentality um Mm -hmm. so my my mental state must be strong enough before if I expect anybody else to want to collaborate with me, you know, because, because even more so than I'll, I'll tell you this, it's, it's, it's having the awareness to know that any, what anybody says about me or however they feel about me doesn't scratch the surface of how I think about myself. And that's enough. 
And so, so no one can do it better than me to shoot myself down. And that's, and that's, you know what I mean? mean? And and there's a little bit of an awareness to that, um, that I think one needs to, needs to have, you know, I get comments, uh, all the time on my Instagram of how much they hate the show that I was in, but they're following me and they're (laughs) commenting on every single one of my posts. And I, I, you know, I, I, the, the way that I see it is thanks for following me. Thanks for, thanks for engaging with me because it's mm-hmm. nice to know that for better or worse, um, there's an effect. And that's Absolutely. and that's why I play characters, to have an effect on you, whether you like it or whether you don't like it. That's up to you. That's not up to me. Um, but again, it's 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 self-worth, self-love, and also to have an awareness that my God, when someone comes after you, it's not about you. It's not about you, you know, and, and that's what I find egotistical, right? People have a negative mm-hmm. connotation to egotistical when it has to do with how you express yourself to other people. No, 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 no. What it ha- also has to do is, are you egotistical enough for you to feel like it's about you? No. Right. If you're not that mm-hmm. egotistical, then stop thinking about it, you know? And, and by the way, absolutely. easier said than done. And I'm saying that right now. Oh, absolutely. By the time I'm, the time I'm out of here, I'm going to cry myself to sleep. That's just what's going to happen. So, um, <laughs> but, but, but I, you know, I think you really do have to have the awareness to, to say to yourself, who am I? And is this one of the things that really, ha- that really get to me? Meaning, you know, I, I, I had a fight uh, on set in one of my projects. And I remember that when mm-hmm. we split up and this person went back to their trailer, I said to myself, oh, this person has this person's problems, which means mm. I can't even compare to those type of problems that I have in my own life. And then that must be stressful. Right. So, so I take myself out of the equation. I always take myself out of the equation and go, was that about me or was that, was that not about me? And if that wasn't about me, drop it and just move on and just keep Mm -hmm. acting like yourself. Uh, um, and, and if it is about you, then you are responsible enough to knock on the door and go, Hey, that was about me. I'd like to talk about it unapologetically. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you got to have a type of awareness. You know, I know I'm not giving you like the ABC, but I don't have an ABC. What I, what I do have is I, I, right. I have 24 hours of, <laughs> of really, of just really <laughs> thought about it and saying, what do right. I hold, what do I have to hold myself accountable for? And mm-hmm. what isn't my fault? And when you kind of mm-hmm. really answer that and taking ego out of it, you really can have a real emotional intelligence about you that, that really can just take the burden off your shoulders. You know, it, it, we, we live in a tricky industry, Amir, as you know, where, where people are taking pictures of you, calling your name on the red carpet. Uh, uh, you can be anywhere you want and, and someone will knock on your door saying, they're ready for you, Mr. Del Rio, and then they'll walk. That's very right. dangerous to put your mindset mm-hmm. in there and saying, yep, yeah, yeah, I deserve it. No. You see, right. some, I'm a somebody, you yeah, know, someone, yeah. someone mm-hmm. knocks on your door saying they're ready for you. Mrs. Del Rio is because they're doing that because they need to feed their kid and mm, I'm not there. And, I, and, and Oh, over here, over here, David, take a picture, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yes. As annoying as they are, they're doing it for a living. 
they need to go home and eat. Right. So you need, so, you right, know, you right. kind of need to feel like you're un, you know, not undeserving, but like feel like you are so small in the big, in the grand scheme of what this industry mm-hmm. is. Absolutely. Well, I think it's, that comes from you obviously being in this industry for so long. I think you've realized that, you know, I I can't tell you how many people I've worked with as a publicist and they don't even say hello to anyone and they treat people like dirt and they're not even as accomplished or even as close to accomplished as you are. And it's like, it's so refreshing to hear that you understand that. And I think it's taking yourself out of the equation is probably the least um, egotistical thing I've ever heard. It's very smart, and it and it allows you to have such good problem solving. I think that has something to do with the fact that you you're a writer, mm-hmm. director. You've done things on and off camera. You know your your production company. I think you understand how to work with people, which is super refreshing, yeah. especially in this really industry, difficult. It's really not the difficult. Norm. You know, yeah. it, it literally yeah. really easier easier said than done. I mean, I feel like if I had if I wrote mm-hmm. a book, uh, every the t- that would be the title. Easier said than done. It would be the book, you know, honestly, <laughs> you know, easier written than done, you know, easier, e- easier, easier, note, easier translated to ghostwriter than done. You know, it's just like, it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it really is easier said than done. And, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I never want to come off like this is exactly how to survive and succeed. It's just, that's how, that's how I've survived, you know, with me. And by the way, my wife right. always taps me in the shoulder and never lets me forget, <laughs> you know what I mean? She, no, that's know, good. You need people to hold you sure, accountable, you know? Sure. And I think that's like really important. And even like what you're saying about easier said than done, even like in this industry, I'm sure there's a lot of actors listening and people that like want to get into this industry. And it's like, there is a lot of rejection and there's, you know, audition after audition. And, you know, like you were on this wonderful show, uh, the mm-hmm. baker and the beauty. And it's like such a, you know, very Latinx cast. And then, you know, like you hear it's canceled mm-hmm. and it's like frustrating and it's like, and I hope that it finds a home because that's what I've been Thank praying so for much. that it finds, you know, a home for it. Cause it's such a great show. And it, the reason I bring that up is not to be like, Oh, look, David, this didn't work mm-hmm. out is that I want you to talk about resilience, yeah. right? Cause if a lot of people see your career and they're like, Oh, you know, everything looks so easy for him, you know, in the Heights troop, you know, yeah. pitch perfect, all these great opportunities, but I know it's no. not like anything that looks easy is not. So can you talk to me a little bit about those moments where you were frustrated yeah. and pushing past and being resilient? You know, you know, I am so, so thank you for that. You know, it really, you know, you can't escape the heartbreak of it, right? My dad always says a bowling mm-hmm. ball falls on your foot. What do you say? Ouch. That, that, that's to put, <laughs> that's to put perspective on don't double act in pretending like it doesn't hurt. And when you put yourself in that position of, of, disappointment and, uh, and yeah, a little bit of sadness and a little bit of pain, you know, that you're a human, you know, that, you know, that, that this is part of the game and it kind of puts you in a real sense of what's next, you know, let's, let's, let's go through the hurt. Sometimes when I, I've been in projects that the movie didn't do well. And I've been in projects that it's been canceled. And I would try to get to the next job thinking and and fighting the the last job. And that's not a very mm. that's not a very good, you know, the uh, uh, 
mindset to be on. It's almost like, you know, I don't know if you can curse on, but F them, you know, you, 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 you have them mentality, right. To, to kind of yeah. move forward. And, yeah. and by the way, that's just not the way, that's not the way to look at it. Um, but in this case, right. In this case, Baker and the beauty, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so grateful for, mm-hmm. um, everybody's support. I mean, you know, as you know, we got 151,000 signatures on a petition to renew the show. And we've that that's beaten any show that has been renewed because of petitions. Um, and you know, you, you know, in, in this particular sense, I'm just very grateful for the idea that it's touched so many people's lives in the way that it did that they right. would take time out right. of their day to to really support a renewal i mean i was flabbergasted by the support once we got you know once we got canceled you That's know awesome. um well cuz you guys were having so much yeah. fun and i think people especially right now in quarantine like people want to see actors having fun at their job. I think sometimes with entertainment, we forget what's all about numbers and celebrity and fame and, and like how many followers do you have? And at the end of the day, acting like I used to be an mm. actor as well. It's it fun. Is. Like it, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun. And it looked like you guys were just having fun. And it just, that I think is what we loved aside from the great writing and great acting, but it seemed like y'all were just, I, I think, fun, I think, you know, of, I think part of the resilience is being grateful and, mm-hmm. and, that's such an important tool and part of who I am as a person. One of the things that annoy most people, and I and I've known this for a fact because people have come up to me and said this, but I don't. I I'm not. I don't get envious. I don't get jealous. I, that that gene has never been you know a part of me. Okay. Right. I, and I and I know. By the way, I know that because it is so easy. But it just has never been a part of me because. For the things that have happened to me, it's much easier for me to be grateful. Now, listen, I'm an optimist, mm-hmm. right? So that is part of who I am. This is not a mentality that – I mean it is a mentality that I had to work on and and – uh, right. you know, kind of not master, but kind of be a part of me. But, but anyone who goes and rolls their eyes because every answer that I have um, is – on a positive note, you know, well, boo hoo, that's just who I am. You know what I mean? So, so right. I just, you're being well, authentic. Of, that's authentic. Part of my resilience yeah. is gratefulness. That's basically the short answer. That's mm. short answer. I'm very mm. grateful for the doors that it has opened. Um, you know, uh, Katie, my wife and I, uh, are talking to, a lot of people, um, and I can't really say about what right now, but it's because of Baker mm-hmm. and the beauty that it's opened the doors to awesome. people who answer our calls and, and reach out to us and say, what else are we developing and what else are we working on? And, and, and awesome. that's something that I'll always be grateful for and, and grateful for the family that was created in Baker and the beauty and, and, and really grateful right. for the real outside family, which are the fans and the supporters that we, uh, have established because, you know, I, I can't wait to show them what's next, you know, and I can't wait and I can't wait for us to get on that ride together because what Baker and the beauty was about was it was your show, not ours. You know, it it represented Mm. you, not me. And that was the other thing that, and, and I've told you this before where people were, 
saying, man, it must have been great. I mean, a Latinx show. Uh, when you guys were on set, were you setting out to be a Latinx show? And I'm like, you know, that, that never crossed my mind because I am Cuban. Mm-hmm. It's not a caricature that I'm mm-hmm. representing. It's right. who I am. And therefore, right. what I was concentrating right. on was doing a show about a family. And I think that that's what really, mm-hmm. really got people to really be on board. It doesn't matter if it's modern, modern, blackish, uh, fresh off the boat. People watched Mm -hmm. because they Mm -hmm. wanted to see culture, but they wanted to see the the resemblance of their own lives through a different culture. And that's why it's so important to do a show like Baker and the Beauty. But, you know, to be resilient for me is to know that I'm in the game, to know I'm still in the, in the Olympics, Still know that uh, I still get to I still get to audition and and have footage that I get to show people proudly and and knowing that um I'm so 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 grateful for everything that Baker and the Beauty has done for me. That that's that's, that's how amazing. I survive, and I, basically, yeah. that's how I survive. Gratefulness, a lot of gratefulness, which is which is not again, it's not easy. And a lot of people in this town have a lot of comparison issues and jealousy. And you know, you see billboards, and you know, it's hard. Like I've even started out with people that then are you know have their own billboard now, and it's hard not to be like, oh, well, we started out together, but like that's their journey and that's what they're on. And you have to sometimes take a step back. And I love what you said earlier too. Take yourself out of the equation, and it makes things a lot easier because I think, especially in this town. I had an early on a mentor when I was in my like early twenties, when I moved to LA was like, it's better to be working than to be famous. And that has always been my number one thing. Cause I'd rather be working and creating space than, cause there's a lot of people in this town that are famous that Mm -hmm. don't work. Yeah. Like, so I would rather be working and doing things. Um, I'm pretty aware that, it ta- that it's pretty hard to take yourself out of the equation when, when you're an mm-hmm. actor, the industry thrives upon um, making you the equation. And, and they do that purposely so you can do your best job. But it's very easy to get that confused. And if you're not sort of mentally there, um, then you think you're then you think you're the whole equation. No, no, no. That's just how the industry is set up. You're not part of the whole equation. You're right. a little part of it. And so right. um, I think that taking yourself out of uh, uh, the whole idea of it, um, you know, for example, uh, Chris Pratt gets replaced by Paul Rudd all the time. You know, or, you know, it, there's there's opportunities for actors and, and you will always have uh, uh, I, I've known a lot of actors that have um, gotten fired from uh, their table reads on the pilot. And that's wow. that's heartbreaking, truly, truly heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But that's because I would imagine that the actor thought that they were settled. But the work is right. what's important. And if the work is what is important, then it's easy to take your personal life out of it and your personal you out of it. Because mm-hmm. what what matters is that you better be a good employee before you're a good actor. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you hear like stories of actors like being replaced yeah. by someone else. And you're like, I can't even imagine this other actor playing mm-hmm. that part. Were there any parts for you where you didn't get it and you were kind of bummed and then someone else got it and you were like, oh my God, like they played it way more interesting yeah, than I would have. Yeah. I, um, yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard <laughs> to even, uh, pick one really, but I do remember, 
I do remember I auditioned for the Miles Teller role in 21 and Over. Mm-hmm. And there was a movie with Scott and there was like the oh, new wow. hangover for, yes. you know, the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And boy, was that guy right. on one. I mean, he was just, you know, when you saw him, you saw <laughs> a star, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to just right, back right, up right. And, and kind of really, really enjoy <laughs> it, you know? Um, I, and I, and yeah. I'm also a fan of Anthony Ramos. So, you know, I got beat, you know, mm-hmm. beaten by him a lot uh, from Hamilton to the In the Heights movie and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And he's just so mm-hmm. – he really is so talented and he's got this sort of Terrence Howard suave to him that, that you mm-hmm. know, you can't – you know, you either have the type of charisma they're looking for or not. And that man oozes uh, uh, charisma, and I really enjoy really enjoy his work. Um, and, and by the way, I don't watch it in, say, in in comparison. I just watch it as an audience member, and that's how I really get to understand um, um, what they bring to the table. You know, because again, if you start comparing mm-hmm. yourself, you know, if I you know mouth the words to Hamilton, which I do out of enjoyment, not out of you know uh, competitiveness. Um, you get to see you get to see what makes them them, what got them to book the role. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, right. heck, my the first half of my career was replacing somebody. That's that, and that's the truth. Wow. I I replaced a kid in the pilot, and my very fir- first job or one of my first job was going straight to series. So I didn't know what a pilot was. I thought that's how I just thought that's mm-hmm. how you book stuff going straight to series, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, you know, yeah. uh, I, I replaced, uh, somebody in geek charming. I also replaced, uh, in, in a 24 hour window, uh, I replaced, um, the kid in pitch perfect. And I don't know who that kid is, but um, you wow. know, again, you just, there is no, wow. there is no rule book, you know, of how you, of how you, get apart right. you know there really is just luck and timing right. but uh yeah i mean my whole career is looking at billboards and looking at trailers and looking at movies for um parts that mm-hmm. i didn't get mm-hmm. wow but again i think it's that gratefulness that you have that's so um so impactful and helping you through that which i think it's amazing I, I and i wanted to ask you um you've done so many cool roles like again pitch perfect so many fun movies and shows. What's a really fun set? Because I just like as a fan of Pitch Perfect, and I know um, you know Skylar Aston, and I was just like, it must have been a very fun set. Like any fun stories? Yeah, from that movie? I remember when we were shooting part of the competition at the end, and we mm-hmm. had extras there. You know that whole final competition between Bellas and Troublemakers and all those other, you know, the sock puppet people, um, Mm -hmm. they, Mm -hmm. that was a four to five day, 12 hours, 12 to 14 hour a day sequence. And right when you thought you had finished your, your song and, you know, you got all the angles, you show up to set the next day going, Oh no, no, no. We got to do the same dance song and dance three more times. I'm like, what? And so oh, I remember Alexis Knapp had her kid or has her, you know, had her baby uh, and her baby was on set. Mm-hmm. She was like the, the ultimate baby on set. And we knew that the extras were there for a very long time, sitting in those seats, not allowed to get up for a bit. And we were backstage and we're like, 
why don't we just go out on stage and do like an impromptu performance, but getting Alexis's kid and covering the kid. And then like Lion King, just we all open up and we just lift that baby up and we just kind of praise it and worship it. It'll just be fun. And this was just oh us just wanting to do shit because we were, t- it was our hurry up and wait job, which by the way, that's the whole industry, you know, hurry up and wait. And so, Mm -hmm. and so when we did that, I mean, we were all improvising with each other and just kind of coming up with a song at the moment or melody at the moment, little Kai Kai, little, little Kai Kai, little Kai Kai, little, and it all (laughs) kind of, we all just kind of started doing it together and everyone thought we were just doing another take of some kind of sequence that they haven't seen. (laughs) And when we opened up and we lifted the baby up and the baby had to be not even joking, had to be like nine months and, and the (laughs) crowd lost it and they had a resurgence (laughs) of energy all of a sudden. And then I remember that the director and producers came out to us, guys, they freaking needed that. And then we got our audience mm. back with every single time that we finished a number, we got the energy that they, that they needed because we kind of got the, you know, the people back up. And, 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 and I'll always remember that because that, that goes to show two things. One, we had a real tight knit group that I still have so much of a relationship with a couple treble makers and Bellas. And, and, the, and so that was one of those moments where like, wow, we're really a, a crew and a family here. And then the other thing was right. extras are just so important. Background artists are mm-hmm. important. We need to mm-hmm. feed them the mm-hmm. way that they feed us because we're all in this together. We're not, we're not, you know, right. actors and you guys are the background or whatever. No, no, no. You guys are painting the picture with us. You guys are just important to the picture than we are. And so when that kind of happened, I do remember that, uh, uh, we just, we woke people up and people were just ready to go and ready to see the same dance they've been seeing for the last five days, but they were ready. They were ready. That's amazing. They were re-energized. That's really cool. That's like just a really fun image as well. And it just seems like you were able to, you know, bring everyone back to energy levels that they needed to be at. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so I, uh, Kapil Talwalker from uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist was on uh, the cool. podcast as well. And I know Skylar's on that show and that show just got renewed and it's like a wonderful singing show. I would love to see yeah, you. Oh, I mean, hey, from your yeah. lips, right? So if anyone's yeah. hearing, come on now. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, yeah. that was yeah. really a pilot season that I'll never forget. That's the same pilot season as Baker and the Beauty. And, and I do remember that I couldn't move forward with Zoe because I was already in negotiations for Baker, but I was very close for season one to, to hop on board on that, on that cast. And, 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 but you know, I think that the, the, the cast is just absolutely perfect. The show is just so refreshing to watch and, you know, I just love uh, the whole cast and I think Skylar's absolutely killing it. Just killing, killing it as always, as always. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always the, one of the hardest working people, much like you. But yeah, I would. Lo- I mean, hopefully, I'd let's love put that, that in the universe. No, I would no love complaints there. No complaints <laughs> there. I appreciate that. 
I love that. Um, well, David, I love talking to you, but I just wanted to wrap up. I think we've talked about a lot of amazing things and I, I just wanted to ask you one last question, like for people that are, you know, struggling to get into Hollywood and they're just, you know, pushing in the doors or keep closing on them. What's your advice? I mean, what I tell people is start creating yeah. your own content because this is a time where you can put it in your you own know, the, hands, the, you know? Well, so two what things. Is your one, the amount of distribution, going off what you're saying, the, the amount of distribution out there mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Even as a person of this generation, mm -hmm. I still get shocked because I cannot believe mm -hmm. the things that are out there that when you come across somebody and you say that I'm an artist – and I'm an actor, or I'm a writer, or I'm a director, you don't have to pitch them anything. Just send them the Vimeo link. Mm -hmm. Send them the TikTok. Send them mm -hmm. the YouTube link. Send, mm -hmm. send them anything. It's right there. You don't have to pitch that hard, you know? And, and it's not about headshots mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. It's you moving, speaking, talking, uh, reacting, and, and showing your skill, right? And then you're kind of really learning how to act on set when you kind of get on that set in real life. Because you kind of see, oh, wow, we also have bigger budget, bigger problems, but we have the same amount of problems as if I was doing a short film to put on YouTube. And you kind of gain knowledge the more you do things, right? Then you become a real worker of the industry. Then you become a real player in the industry. And then my second thing I would say is if you are auditioning, you are an actor, so ignore everything your uncle says when you go visit him in your hometown and says, how come I haven't seen you in anything? Well, it hasn't happened yet. Well, what makes you an actor? Well, I've been auditioning and it's been giving me a chance to act. That's how I'm still acting. Mm -hmm. and, and, mm, and then, you know, also, well you know, learn from every audition. How did I mess up on, uh, mess that up that I don't feel good first? Not about how they might think. How, how, how they reacted or, you know, how you might think that they didn't like you or whatever. It's not about that. It is, oh, you know what? I flubbed that line. I'm going to make sure I prepare better so that nev I never have to have that feeling for toward myself and my own work again, right? And, and, and again, you know, booking a job is the Christmas vacation, to all the hard work that you're doing. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, it's a Christmas vacation that you can get fired from. So you better still prep and still, and still work <laughs> your ass off once you book that thing. Um, and so that's, those are the Absolutely. things that I would really say. And as a cinephile for me, um, it's not about the new movie that comes out. If it's an old movie that I've never seen, it's a new movie to me. So I would say watch a movie every day as much as you can. And what a great and what a great thing okay. to do for the industry, right? It's like you're so lucky to be part of an industry that you can watch a movie to learn and to steal, but part of your prep is watching a movie every day. Who else gets to fucking say that? Not any, not not everybody. Exactly. Who gets? You know. Nope. And who gets to? And what a yeah. fun way to you know get better. I think, at I your think craft, it is. I know? think it is. And by the way, so many things on YouTube of so many interviews with actors. Mm -hmm that are hours, hours long, that we never had access to a long time ago. Never, never, never. You have a favorite director, you watch every single one of his or her movies, and you talk and see every interview of them. And then you go, you know what? I, 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 I know how to, if I had the opportunity to audition for her, I would know how to book it. 
based on what I've been seeing. You know what I mean? Right. And it's these kind of things mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. having a, um, you know, a result oriented goal. The result oriented goal is to be an artist and an artist fucks up all the time. An artist is messy. Mm-hmm. An artist is insecure. An artist is secure. An artist is jealous. An artist is not jealous. An artist is so much <laughs> that, that and, mm-hmm. it, and it messes with identity. Find your identity with, within the artistry. You know, I know I'm saying a lot, but I, you know how I go. I just go. No, 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 no. I love it. No, no, I love it. It's it's all gold. And it like it and I love that you're showing people that there's different dimensions to being. I think there's this idea of being an actor means mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. this or you're that. And it, it can be a lot of things at once. And um that's what I love about you. You always have a real way, interesting way of seeing the world. And you know, that's why you've gotten as far as you've gotten. I love it. And I, I wanted to definitely, I want you to plug uh, your Instagram and also um, your production company. Cause I know you guys do a lot of really cool mm-hmm. reels for actors. People should well, reach so out to I'm you. So I'm on at David Del Rio uh, on Instagram and that's my only uh, social media. I have a production company with my wife, uh, Katie Del Rio, and it's called Theater Row Productions because that's where we met, uh, Theater Row, New York. And so, oh. uh, uh, you know, what we also do other than developing projects and try to get them made, uh, we actually also have a movie coming out. We're in post-production, our first feature under our banner. Um, and uh, it's called wow. The Big Feed, directed by Fernando Ferra, our, our mutual friend. Um, so so the, yes, hopefully that'll Fernando. come out uh, in October. But what we also do is do demo reels for uh, actors who need footage. We custom write uh, custom collaborate. We, we, uh, hire other actors to be in your demo reels just so you could have a demo reel that, that looks like something that's been ripped off the, uh, the TV and not just look like a demo reel as a presentational, uh, thing Mm -hmm. because you're working with filmmakers. And so I want to make the best scene I can as a director of, seven short films and two features now. So, you know, that that's one of those things wow. that I like collaborating with actors. And I've seen actors left and right and all different types of things. And I think that's why I feel kind of, I, I kind of have a little bit of a understanding of how a lot of actors feel because Amir, I've had clients that think they're a male street and guess what? Good for you. Then that may, that means I will write you. <laughs> Some Meryl Streep scenes, you know, Meryl Streep monologues. And then there are other people who say, you know what? I know I'm not in a a certain point, but I think where I want to start my career is guest stars. And I go, great. I'm going to write you a Mm -hmm. uh, interrogation scene of any sort of kind of law and order type of scene. And I'll direct you in that where the other actor is the lead of the show and you're the guest star. That's how I'm going to write it. And that's how we're going to shoot it. It's not going to be a present. It's not going to be a presentation Absolutely. of your talent. It's going to be a, a representation of how you can fit in so many roles, and that's what we kind of do. So, if anybody's Absolutely. ever interested, please DM mm. me. Um, it's not exactly, you know, it's almost like a underground kind of thing that that I do. It's not a business that I'm trying to, um, you know, do and stuff like that. But but you know, just DM me directly and DM Katie. At uh, at Katie Del Rio uh, uh, on Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Perfect. 
Perfect. And listen, these videos are really professional. Um, you know, I've used it for clients. Like I highly recommend it looks amazing. I've seen them and, um, and I would never lie to you and it looks wonderful. So I, and I, I wish you all the best, David. I know you have to jet off to San Francisco tomorrow. You're in a movie. So doing a movie during COVID. We have have the protocols (laughs) down pat. And so, you know, the, the, the number one goal is to make a movie safely. Um, so, so people can do their work and we want to set, I feel like this production, you know, the industry really wants to set a tone that we can do this. So we really need to. So we're, so I'm very excited. It's a great fun role, nice Christmas movie. And, uh, I'm excited. Awesome. Yes. We need more Christmas movies. I love it. I'm here for it. Um, thanks again, David. And y'all can follow me at Amir Yas Official. Thank you for being here on the Take On for the Broadway Podcast Bye. Network. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Take On. The Take On is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and The Take On at bpn.fm backslash The Take On. And of course, on my Instagram at Amir Yas Official. Yes, honey, we're official. Make sure to subscribe and rate The Take On wherever you stream your podcast and keep tuning in for more amazing guests. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.